0: ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music
1: and more. Now picture rolling hills dotted with small villages, family farms, livestock grazing, bread baking in wood-fired ovens. This could be rustic France or rural England or another Mediterranean landscape that just beckons tourists but this is the borderland between Israel and Lebanon, the so-called Blue Line, and it could become the most dangerous flashpoint in the latest Middle East war. The area is controlled by the Iranian-backed Shia movement Hezbollah, which Israel is also threatening to wipe out. Australian researcher Vanessa Newby is now with Leiden University in the Netherlands, and she's been on the border recently.
0: So the Blue Line is a very beautiful part of the world. It's rolling grasslands, steep cliffs, rural farmland, interspersed with villages. There's even a crusader castle there. It's really a stunning part of Lebanon. Now, in some places, the Blue Line is marked by blue barrels. And in others, where the Blue Line runs close to a road or a Lebanese village, Israel's constructed these high concrete walls, which I confess are not that nice to look at. In addition, on the Israeli side, in most places, there's also what the UN calls a technical fence, which is essentially a wire fence uh, armed with a number of surveillance and technical equipment and sensors to prevent illegal incursions into Israeli territory. And the local population on the Lebanese side is mainly, I would say, small business owners, farmers. And there's also, of course, many holiday homes for Mm -hmm. Lebanese who live and work outside Lebanon or in Beirut. In fact, the New York Times Lebanese journalist who died in Syria, Anthony Shadid, he was building a holiday home in the region.
1: It's not a border, though, because as I understand it, there is still no agreed border between Lebanon and Israel.
0: That's correct. It's what officially is termed a line of withdrawal, which essentially refers to two militaries withdrawing from an active war. It's not a ceasefire which is, again, another formal agreement, and it's certainly not a peace agreement. So it's literally a line of withdrawal, and it's become more reified, become more real, because in 2000, when the Israelis withdrew from the south of Lebanon, they had been occupying a zone called the zone of security in south Lebanon. Once they withdrew from that, the UN drew, literally in blue ink, a line to demarcate between the two states. And Mm -hmm. so that is what the blue line is, That's why it's called the Blue Line.
1: You've been there several times on field work. What did you discover there, Vanessa?
0: The funny thing is, is that I think a lot of people, when they imagine that area, they imagine it to be this kind of militarized zone with lots of troops of Hezbollah marching up and down. But it's in reality, nothing like that. What I have encountered, is the most incredible hospitality from every villager I met. And I should stress, It doesn't make any difference whom they support politically. Because the area has been so cut off from Lebanon for decades, people are always happy to see you when you visit. I was in a group and we were touring the Blue Line on a desperately cold January night. We ended up in Bint Jabal, a village close to the border. There was a small bakery open and they essentially fed us for free. Mm. They plied us with these hot pastries, these hot bread-like pastries known as manoushe. And they gave us homemade jam to take away with us. That village is traditionally regarded as a Hezbollah stronghold. And there we were foreigners, and they couldn't wait to welcome us. And whenever I interviewed people for my research on the UN mission in South Lebanon, I was always given lunch, and people always wanted to tell me their stories of what it's like to live in such an unpredictable security environment.
1: The people there really seem to have overcome a great deal of adversity. You you do mention there multiple times that it's a Hezbollah stronghold. Hezbollah is a Shia group. How important is religion, by the way, to the lives of the people who live there?
0: Lebanon is what we would call a sectarian state. Unfortunately, the political divisions are often, but not exclusively, dictated by Religious affiliation. There's actually 18 official religions in Lebanon. However, the larger ones, of course, are the Shiite population, the Sunni population, the Christian populations, and the Druze. To an extent, religion does often dictate your political preferences, but as with anything, it's not as simple as that. In the south of Lebanon, in particular, this is definitely Hezbollah's part of the world because the population has a large Shiite component. And as I've said, Shiite Muslims in Lebanon either support Amal or Hezbollah, two political parties, but they are politically aligned and they act in tandem. In other communities in the South, so for example, the Druze or Christian communities, politically, they're more inclined to possibly make peace with Israel. So they don't like it when Hezbollah provokes incidents on the border.
1: Mm. Does Hezbollah, Vanessa, command a genuine loyalty from the people there because you've mentioned that there is discomfort at the idea that um, these people could get caught in the crosshairs of another conflict.
0: Hezbollah does command an incredible amount of loyal support. What you have to remember is that since 1978, the local population in South Lebanon has experienced five Israeli invasions and a prolonged occupation. Now, of course, it's not as simple as that. These activities were in response to attacks on Israel, Mm. first from Palestinians and then from Hezbollah. But from the point of view of local civilians who suffered these invasions, Hezbollah is seen as the only force capable of defending them from what they perceive to be Israeli aggression. Mm. Among the population in South Lebanon, many believe Israel's real goal is to take their land. Whatever political affiliation you have, ultimately, even during peacetime, you may wax and wane when you feel existentially threatened by another entity, you're more inclined to align yourself with the group that's going to, in your view, protect you from threats.
1: Yeah. You've written very recently in a fascinating piece, we'll put a link to it at our website, that this could become the next flashpoint in this terrible conflict. How?
0: Quite frankly, in a very concrete way, It could become a new front, possibly a second front for a war against Israel. Right now, there continues to be shelling and gunfire between the Israeli Defense Force, the IDF, and Hezbollah. I would say at the moment it appears to be proportional, but if either party considers the other to have gone too far, then the gloves come off. Hezbollah is known to be backed by Iran and Syria, and having the backing of not one but two states makes the sub-state militia, like Hezbollah, very powerful. Arms can be shipped from Iran to Syria and transported to Lebanon overland. So they have a line of supply. So if Hezbollah want to go to war and Iran and Syria support that goal, they can. And the real trigger for escalation will be if Iran announces it's at war with Israel, then we have the potential for even a nuclear confrontation. Now, I don't want to scaremonger, and I really hope it won't come to that. But these are the kind of stakes we're talking about.
1: Vanessa, if we cast our mind back 40 years when Israel went all the way to Beirut. But how likely, at least, is another Israeli invasion, even if it's just a few kilometres across the border?
0: I think it really depends, as I said, on whether or not one or other of the parties believes the other has gone too far. At the moment, they're playing a very dangerous game of tit-for-tat. The responses are proportional. Both parties are not keen to launch into full-scale conflict. That's why it's so precarious, because we don't know. There is a concept in military terminology that I write about called the strategic corporal. And the strategic corporal is the person on the ground who can take one action that can trigger a much larger response. And what we have on the blue line is the risk that a strategic corporal, either some low-ranking military officer in the IDF or some low-ranking Hezbollah, takes an action that has profound consequences that trigger a much larger response. When we talk about it in the cold light of day, we think to ourselves, what could possibly be gained by another Israeli invasion? They've invaded six times. They've never managed to gain a real foothold. They've always had to withdraw. Why would they do it again? But I think you have to remember that certainly, as I understand it in the state of Israel, Hezbollah is seen as an existential threat because it is backed by Iran.
1: Is there anything, anyone, any force keeping these two sides apart?
0: The focus of so much of my research, the United Nations Interim Force in Lebanon, interim is really a bit of a misnomer at this stage. They've been around since 1978 and they're still there today. And they are there precisely to stop these kind of incidents is what we call security incidents triggering a larger confrontation and they come under a lot of criticism I would add because they are not able to prevent the current situation and the 2006 war but these things happen when the strategic environment changes you know what happened in Gaza last week has changed the strategic environment in 2006 it was what you would call a security incident but Unifil can only patrol so far But they are there. They patrol the blue line on a daily basis. They shine an international spotlight on the blue line so that people are aware of what's going on at the international community level. Because no one's clean in this conflict. Mm -hmm. No side can claim innocence. Both sides have done things that they might regret. And so having that international spotlight is critical, not least to help civilians either evacuate or help them with medical aid during these, these terrible moments of crisis.
1: Dr. Vanessa Newby of Leiden University. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.